What's going on everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Unscripted, the show that brings you professionals from all walks of life, touching on their backstory, their mindset, and how they navigate through adversity and opposition, while providing you practical tips that might help you on your path. I'm your host, two-time Olympian, Olympic bronze medalist, author, and motivational speaker, Akeem Haynes. Now, let's get into the episode. This week on the show, I'm joined by former professional golfer and now wealth management consultant, Trapper Goldsmith. I met Trapper a few years ago in Calgary at a bookstore where we had a coffee and talked about a whole bunch of different topics. But one of the things that caught my attention was his story. His golf career ended not really by his choice, but because an internal health issue led him down a different path. He had all right to be angry. He had all right to be bitter if he wanted to. But he chose to find the positive advantages amid a life-altering act. Trapper's story is a great story of perseverance, purpose, and perspective. One thing you'll learn in this episode is he does not look at setbacks and delays as a disadvantage. He looks at it as an advantage and uses that to the best of his ability to keep pushing and progressing forward. This is an episode I believe you'll truly enjoy. Check out this week's episode with Trapper goldsmith trap my man what's up with you man how are you brother oh man i'm always grateful man and when you start there you can't complain you can't complain how you doing awesome doing fantastic it's good to see you again my friend you as well man i love the background i love the setup that you have going on man i'm looking forward to our conversation today it's been it's been a while since we sat at that coffee shop now huh (laughs) it has been a while yeah let me ask you this, because it has been a while since we touched base, man. Um, during that pandemic, right, how how did you get through it? What helped you get through it? What was that time like in your life? Well, it's a little different for me. My business actually exploded through the pandemic. We went uh, completely digital, uh, and we were one of the fastest companies to transition to digital. So all of a sudden... I went from helping athletes, you know, in the Calgary, Alberta demographic to expanding across Canada. And now I have just as many clients in Ontario, uh, clients in the States um, as I do here in Alberta. So for me, it was it was a blessing for for our business and and adapting. I mean, it was it was tough to go go through that um, for a lot of people, but. Uh, sometimes I feel guilty saying it, but it was it was a blessing for us. Uh, me- like mentally, that the you know being locked up and and stuff like that is just. I think I, in my toolbox, I have enough tools to 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 manage all that, and and you know it wasn't that big of a deal. Trap, I always start the show the same way, and I started a little bit differently already, but. I always start with this, man. I believe gratitude is one of the most powerful tools. It's not something that you should force. It's something that you should feel. Give me three things you're grateful for today, man. Three things I'm grateful for today. Mm-hmm. Ah, amazing. I love this. So I would just got back from BC. It's Thanksgiving. So and we had a bunch of family uh, out there, my parents and uh, my brother actually just had a newborn. So I have another nephew. Wow. Uh, grateful for that. Grateful for health, um, and, and grateful for you know my wife and my two kids. 
I just have the the biggest support group and I'm truly blessed, man. So it's funny that you say that because every, uh, we don't do prayer or, or, um, give, give grace at dinner, but we always say, we have to go around the table, my wife and my two boys, we have to go around the table and say what we're grateful for. And the best part of our day, that's, that's Mm. our routine every supper. And when you, you're so right. When you come from a place of gratitude, you can't be angry. You can't be frustrated. You can't be resentful. When you come from a place of gratitude on anything, it's just a good place to come from. Man, there's a lot of things uh, to disrupt our time and our space. And when we think about things that we cannot control, that's one of those things, right? So when we can control certain things, man, uh, I always say let's work internally before we focus externally. Because internally, man, you can feel good and thrive even in tough situations. But we're going to get into that a little bit, Trap, because... Ever since we've met, man, you've always been passionate about sports and helping people in some capacity. But I'm wondering, right, like, where did that come from? Was that something that you saw growing up? What was that dynamics like? Was it something maybe your parents said or something your community said? But where does that come from for you? I think it comes from a place of transition. Because yeah. growing up as an athlete and competing, that was your, that's like your number one focus. And, and uh, you know, I, I know you have a heck of a backstory and, and that's what drew me to you was, was your backstory and what you went through to compete. But, uh, you know, starting as an athlete that you just want to compete, you want to, you know, be something bigger than yourself. Yeah. And when you transition out of that, I think you know, when your career comes to an end, you're like, well, I want, I want to make that difference for other people. Like I struggled with this, you know, X, Y, Z in sport. So I want to help other athletes that are struggling with the same thing and, and hopefully help them, you know, be better in their sport, be better in their life, whatever that will be. So I think when you've had your own struggles, when you've overcome your own obstacles and the competing is is come to an end at a sport level. I mean, don't get me wrong; I'm I'm still pretty competitive. Yeah. Um. You just you wanna you wanna leave something behind. You wanna make a difference. It becomes a lot bigger than just you. It becomes about making an impact and and helping athletes that went through the same struggles that that I did. So it was a it was a transition for me. Um. That that really found my spot to, to giving back to sports and, and helping other athletes. That's that's what I'm passionate about. And transition is something that we're definitely going to get into, man. I'm, I'm a firm believer that in order to understand the person, you really got to dive in and understand where they came from and where you are now is not where you started. So I want to go back a little bit, Trap, because <clears throat> you had a career in professional golf. But before that, I remember you were telling me, man, like you had a scholarship to do track and field. Right, like that's where you thought your better sports was <laughs> that and volleyball, if I remember correctly. And you had a scholarship to do track and field, but why did you pick golf? How does one, because it, it, golf isn't one of those sports where it's this electrifying thing, right? It requires a different type of skill, focus, and concentration. So why golf and not take that scholarship and maybe come back to golf later. How did your earliest introduction to golf start? Yeah, it's it's a really good question because I I was track and field was just kind of 
I don't want to say came naturally for me, but it was always a secondary sport. So volleyball was kind of, you know, number one. And, oh, well, what are we going to do in the spring track and field? And I picked up throwing really, really easily. I won our, our regional championships. I went on to provincials. I won provincials. I was, uh, I was a ranked thrower uh, for the discus and, and the mm-hmm. javelin. And, but I knew, I knew I wanted to do sport and mm-hmm. I didn't just want to do it for 10 years and become a, a doctor or become a, a financial advisor or become a, you know, I, I wanted to do sport and that was it. I didn't yeah. have a plan B. I didn't have like, so from a strategic standpoint, <laughs> longevity. that was why I chose golf longevity was hey i can do this for the next 25 years uh i just won a track meet at the university of lethbridge and my shoulder man i was 18 and and my shoulders already like i was having to go to physio i had you know almost a full-time massage therapist working on it i was like okay you know i i take this scholarship offer uh i go down to the states what's going to be left of my Mm. shoulder if I try and I was actually, I was voted in my grad class, most likely to go to the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I probably had a real shot at going to the Olympics for track and field, but I just, it was like, okay, well that's four years. And then, and then what, then mm-hmm. what do I, what do I do? So from a longevity standpoint, that was the number one reason I chose golf. What's, what's one of the biggest misconceptions about golf Trav? Because you know, you look at it, like the world loves to golf. There's a lot of people who love golfing. I went golfing once and I've never been back since, you know what I'm saying? Because it's tough. It's <laughs> like, it's not something you can just say, man, I'm just going to go out and just play. It it, it requires uh, a lot of different things. But what's been, what would you say is one of the biggest misconception about the sport of golf? If you take lessons, you'll get better. <laughs> It, it, you know, people think they go for a half hour lesson and okay, now, now we can go play at the foursome or I can take, you know, clients up to play and it just, it doesn't work like that at all. It's a repetitive, um, game like any sport, but truly golf, like just because you, I show you the fundamentals and setup, and I get you, you know, you're, you're on plane and swinging and all of that, unless you ingrain that. But, you know, if I give you a lesson on Wednesday by Saturday, you forgot everything. <laughs> so I, I'd say that's the bit when I hear people, I just need to get lessons. No, you just need to practice. You need to get some repetition and then and then look at lessons. Preparation, right? It's it's yeah. it's one of the things that really makes any person successful. Right. I know for me, a lot of times in training, man, especially in the base training, I used to prepare myself twice as hard because. I wanted to get to a point where I pushed my body and my threshold so far that the easy part, right? So for me, um, I always made sure that I was preparing as best as I could. For you, Trap, though, how does what does that preparation look like for golf, right? Because, you, you know, for me, you know, I'm playing a little music, right? I'm flowing. I'm a little bit rhythmic. I can bounce. But you can't – well, yeah. I don't want to say you can't, but golf is different. It's calmer. It's a lot more quiet. And you can't really be as amped up. You might get amped up and you're supposed to hit a putt and the ball is gone, right? So what does that preparation look like for you when you were in it? 
Yeah, I think I, I will. You know, I will say that like mentally, golf is the hardest sport in the world. Mm. I, I think I truly think it is because there's so many moving parts to it. Right. You, I mean, there's there's different moving parts to sprinting. Right. You got to get out of the blocks. You got to work on technique. You got to work on conditioning. But golf, you, you times that by twenty. Like there's there's twenty different moving parts to it. And but the the number one thing is you have to be able to reset very quickly because you hit a shot, you hit a bad shot. If you don't reset by the time you go to the next shot, everything starts to compound. It'd be like if you got out of the the gates, the blocks, Mm. and you messed up your first four steps, and then you start getting in your own head. You're like, oh man, you do this every time, Akeem. You know, when are you going to get it right? Well, the rest of the, you know, 90 meters you got left, how's that going to turn out? But it's happening so fast that you don't have time to to press where golf is slowed right down. So you make a bad shot and it can compound so quickly. You get in your head, it, one bad shot leads to another and, you know, how that um, that scenario goes. So you really have to have this ability to let go. You can hit the best shot of your life, like period it on, you know, swing was perfect, trajectory, everything. And, you know, the, the wind catches it. And you go over the green, takes a bad bounce. It goes into the creek and you just hit the best shot of your life. Like that's golf. And you got to be able to hit the, the reset button very quickly. Some of the best, the best players I ever played against just had this, this belief and, and this calmness that regardless of how they played today, tomorrow, they're probably going to win. And regardless of how they play tomorrow, the next day they're going to win. Like they just had this belief. And and truly, I think that was my weakness was I didn't have that internal belief with golf that, you know, I was I was going to be the greatest. I, I struggled with that on a daily basis. Why do you think that was? Whew, that's that's a lot to unravel there. Um, I. I didn't have the mental strength back then that I do now Hmm. Um, overcoming, you know, a a critical disease. And, and that gave me a ton of mental strength. Uh, Golf was not my first sport. Um, So I wasn't, I, I, you know, I wasn't that great when I started out. Yeah. Um, You know, I had a lot of catch up to do. So now I'm going to university. I got cut from my university team. Um, You know, I knew I wanted to play golf, but you're putting up numbers that don't resemble someone that wants to go professional. And I had buddies that were on full ride scholarships for golf and, you know, they, they would kick my ass all the time. And <laughs> they're like, Oh, what are you going to do? Well, I want to be a pro golfer. And they're like, Oh, okay. So it was, you know, things like that. I didn't have the skills to, you know, really build that belief, whether it's through meditation, it's through self-talk, um, all of all of that and also there's a few things in place that i i didn't have the tools in in my toolbox back then would you consider yourself a patient person trap because you know it, it it's a sport where you have to as you said like you could hit it and but the wind could take it that stuff that's out of your control right you can't we can't control the terrain that we compete on a lot of the times only we can only control the body we're in and what we do. But 
I really think certain things find you and in certain positions, who you are as a person comes out in adversity and hardships. But to play golf, I don't know, maybe I'm reaching here, but you kind of would have to be a bit of a patient person to be able to say, you know what? I'm going to take my time here. I'm going to wait this out. But do you consider yourself a patient person? My wife would, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) I think think patience is, you're not born with it. You develop it. Uh, Certainly through golf, you had, you know, I had to learn to develop patience. And, And having, I think athletes, again, it's a skill they develop. Because how many track meets did you compete in before you won? I how many practice sessions? To be fast. So <laughs> I was impatient. Yeah, <laughs> but you you have so many years that you have to put in before you get to you know reap the benefits from that, or before you really arrive as a professional athlete. But you have that long term vision, and that's. I think that's what gives you patience when you have a, a long-term vision. So starting out, no, I was a bit of a hothead. Uh, I remember I broke my one and only club uh, and, you know, I, I, I whipped it. Um, embarrassingly, I, I whipped it into the trees, club snapped in half. And I walked up to it and I just, I, I felt like about this big. Mm. And I was like, what, it, you know, you're letting the game be better than than you and and it was the one and only time i ever threw a club um you know it was a lesson i learned and uh had to move on from that so i think yeah i think i developed patience i'm definitely way more patient now than i was back when i when i played full-time you know trap when you told when we met at that coffee shop man um and you told me a little bit about your story you know there was a time where um you thought what was going to happen in your career when you were playing, but then you got hit by the reality of what was happening. Your golfing career took a different path due to health complications. Uh, walk me through that time in your life, Trav, because it wasn't just a whirlwind of new information and emotion. It was a life-altering situation that brought you down a different path. You're never really prepared for the news that you're not prepared for. Walk yeah. through that stage in your life and what was some of those health complications that that that, that uh, came into your life? I think no matter what, and, and I can only speak to it from my, my perspective, even though I talk to a lot of athletes on a daily basis just with, with my career now, but I think... I'm, in in the moment at that time, regardless of what kind of injury it is, you know, if you're in football and and you have a real bad knee injury or a back injury or something that's probably going to end your career, in the moment you're like, I'm going to get over this. I'm, I'll, I'll get I'll, I'll get better. I'm going to come back stronger than ever before. And so when I first started getting sick, uh, you know, it was kind of like, okay, well. I just got to deal with this. Like, do I see a specialist? Do I get put on meds? Do I, you know, what do I have to do to deal with this so I can keep playing? That's it. That's how my mind thought. It was never, man, I I might never play again. And so you kind of push through it. Uh, when I when I first started getting sick and 
uh, it started affecting my ability to practice, my ability to play a full uh, tour event. Um, you know, I, I just kept my head down and, and kept pushing. You almost live in a state of denial as an mm. athlete. Like, mm. you know, I, I'm never going to get hurt. My career is never going to be over. Uh, it can't happen to me, you know. And so that was kind of my first state. Uh, I did end up in the hospital. Um, and, and my, you know, the surgeon came in and, you know, thankfully I had one of the best surgeons in the country. He, he, you know, is responsible for me living today, saved my life, but he rushed me into an emergency when I went into the hospital. And, you know, I, I remember asking him, I was like, okay, you know, what happens now? Like how long till I can get back on the golf course? Yeah. And, and he was, he said, you know, let's, let's just get you through this surgery and, and get you back on your feet. But he knew at that point, there was very slim chance. I was, I was going to um, be able to, to compete at a high level. And, and I did like, I was, you know, I had two uh, emergency surgeries. I was in the hospital for about 40 days. Uh, finally got out of that and, and rehab. And um, I, I, tr- you know, tried getting back into swinging and, and meeting with my coach. And uh, I, I think I played two events after that. Um, no, I played three events after that. And two out of the three, I had to get hauled off on the medical cart. You know, I was, I was just about fainted. And and that was when, you know, I knew my body would never be able to sustain that type of demand on it again. So that was at that point, then you just go into it like a depression, like a dark it's like, well, if I'm not Trapper the golfer, who am I? And, you know, slowly from, from there, you just kind of put the the building blocks back. And I hadn't still had an incredible support group around me and was able to to climb out of that and start finding, you know, my next, my next chapter. At what point trap did it hit you that you were like, Oh man, I'm, I'm not going to be the same person that I was. Right. Because, you know, uh, we never think something can happen to us. We're not we're not we're not oblivious to the fact that obviously if if anything can happen at any given moment, we're not oblivious to the fact thinking that things can happen to us. But we don't expect it to. Mm. Was there a point trap where you maybe maybe was in the hospital, bit, maybe when it was when the surgeon said, man, we got to go back in to the point where you said, whoa, wait a minute my life may not be the same again. Was there any of that during the situation? Yeah. I, and I compare it probably similar to an athlete or, or someone that's um, had an amputation. Like at that, so when I came out of surgery, I had a, an ostomy pouch on, on my side. They re, I had a complete colectomy. They removed my entire colon. Uh, and waking up in the hospital bed and I had that pouch on the side of me, that was when I knew I was, I'd never be the same physically again and it's it's a feeling of of loss it's hard to describe um but you just feel a loss of a body part even though it was internal for me yeah but it's a body body part i'll never have again and it's it's this kind of feeling of in your stomach of of loss so how how okay you're 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 in the bed you get the surgery you come out you go back you find the strength to you know do a couple more campaigns but then you're back in the hospital and you're back at home, right? And I think, obviously, 
I think one of the toughest battles that a person will have to face is the challenge in the battle, thinking that there is still a purpose for their life when you've been dealt some cards you didn't anticipate. So what kept you going, man? What kept you encouraged? Because motivation doesn't last forever. Mm-hmm. You got to practice it every single day. But sometimes you wake up and you just don't have it, right? So how did you keep yourself encouraged, inspired to continue moving forward and believe that this wasn't going to be the final chapter in your story? It's a slow process. It's not like, you know, it w- was there some moments in in the hospital bed and and at your all-time lows where you're like if i don't wake up tomorrow i mean so so be it uh yeah absolutely that's that's a part of kind of being in that depressive state uh but you 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 know human instinct is to to live to survive you know whether i've lost a limb or my career has come to an end or i've lost my job human instinct or at the core of it is to survive so slowly as I, I started getting healthier, started getting better, um, I, I started thinking about the next chapter and thinking about, okay, if not this, then what? And from that gave new light. And once I let go of Trapper the golfer, like, you know, he's he's had his day. Uh, you know, he, he did the best he could. And, and we what I got from sport has shaped the my life, shaped who I am, shaped the the husband I am, the the father I am. So once I kind of let go of that, slowly started getting healthier and a, a better state of mind, and started thinking about what was next. That was that was when um, you know I, I started getting you know getting back to to who I was and and being competitive again. As we talk about a trap and you reflect on it, right? And 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 really only those around you and you yourself really have the complete understanding of the journey it took to get there. Um, so I thank you for giving us an insight into it from your perspective. But what did those what did that time teach you about Trapper Goldsmith? What did that teach you about yourself, man? I think you have to see everything as your advantage. Mm. That you know, everything that happens to you you have to see it as your advantage to win. So if I, you know, I I hear, you know, um, married guys in the business and they're like, well, I wasn't married. I could, I could focus more on my business and entrepreneurship. And, but it's being married is my advantage. Having an incredible spouse is my advantage. It's why I'm going to win. Having gone through Crohn's disease and the major surgery I did is my advantage. You haven't gone through that, Akeem. So I have an advantage over you. Mm-hmm. And, and the same way you uh, grew up in, in Jamaica, that's your advantage. In, in rough neighborhoods, and gro- that's your advantage. And so that really helped me when you know I looked at everything I've been through as, man, there's so many guys that haven't gone through that. How could they possibly compete with me? Because I did go through that. I overcame that. And, and I think that's helped me continue to be as successful as I ha- am, is everything in life that happens to me, I see as my advantage. And that's, it's not yeah. it, it's not so much being grateful for it. It's just seeing it as an advantage in in achieving my goals. 
That's a that's a great perspective to have, and I know it wasn't easy to get there. But once you get there, you 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 see the glass there. You know, like I always say, people always say you can see the glass half empty or half full. But for me, like I've always looked at life as I'm the glass, right? Because the glass is the one constant, whether there's something in it or there's not. The glass is always going to be there, and I want to be like that glass. Trap. I have a few more questions for you, and 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 this is kind of where. Uh, you and I met and kind of aligned, right? The transition aspect of it, right? Uh, as transition is tough for all people, for everybody, but kind of as athletes, right? It's being an being a professional athlete is like one of the only sports where you have to reinvent yourself twice. You know, um, it's not easy, especially when your identity is locked into the sport and it's who you are. I particularly didn't have that problem because I saw a documentary when I first came to Canada about uh, this, uh, this football player taking his life because he was so consumed by the sport. And when he left, he didn't know who he was. And I said, man, I have to make sure that I don't end up like that, meaning I have to find things of interest and purpose away from the sport. But I was very intentional about that. Not a lot of athletes think about retirement until it's their last or the second year, they get hurt or something happens. But for you, Trap, the transition, how did you get to the financial side of things now? Was it something you found right away? Because you also told me one time that, you know, you did a whole bunch of different things. Like you had a media company at one point as well too. So walk me a little bit through that journey of transition to get to where you are now. Yeah, it's it's interesting because every athlete goes through it. Uh, that you know that transition, and you're so hyper focused when <laughs> like when you're in sport, it's not you know oh I'm gonna I'm gonna do this on the side or I'm gonna have a side hustle or I'm no you're it's sport that's it like that's all you think about. I, I never had vacations; it was golfations. Because I that was, you know, yes. my 100% focus. And then as <laughs> athletes, we transition out of that and it's after sport. And all of a sudden, it's like walking into a buffet. Mm. And it's, oh, I want some of that. I want some of that. I yeah. want some of, try that. And I was no different. That was kind of after sport. I was like, okay, well, I, you know, went to the oil field. I was a consultant. We had a small media company, vending machine business, wow. owned a franchise, a uh, Tommy Guns franchise for a while. Oh, wow. Kind of tried it all and none of it really fit. There was a void after sport. And I knew I was just because my career uh, as an athlete, it wasn't like I got to say, okay, I'm going to walk away from the game and, and I gave it everything. It got stripped from me. So I had a, a bit of a chip on my shoulder, not in a bad way, but in a way I just wanted to compete. So I was fortunate. I never thought, you know, when when my journey started out in sport that I would end up in the financial industry and, and helping professional athletes from the financial standpoint. But when I got introduced to our company, World Financial Group, uh, actually through a CFL player, Mm -hmm. um introduced me to the sport i i kind of seen the competitive side to it it very much emulated the sport environment where you know we hang hockey jerseys with your name if you're the mvp and you know you make your first 100k you get a big super bowl ring and you know i got plaques and trophies on the wall uh, that's all from being in business so that side of it was like hey cool if this can feed my competitive side yeah 
And I get to give back to sport to help athletes, you know, where, where I financially struggled and, and made some poor decisions as a young athlete, then man, it's kind of win-win. And once I got put into this environment with my competitive nature and my desire to help other athletes, it just, it blew up from there. How did you take those same skills trap and take what, helped you get through the surgeries, all the golfing, all of the other sports and apply it to business, to what you're doing now? Because yes, you, you, you're told that it's possible. You told you're supposed to do that, but how, right? You have to keep it intangible. What does that even look like when people say, man, you've done this, you'll be good at this. And yeah, but how do I take my waking up at 5 a.m. to go and do this? Like, what does that look like from a practical standpoint? So how were you able to take what helps you in one side and push it over to this side? What did that look like? Yeah, every athlete, and I talk a lot about this on my social media, is every athlete has that mindset. And there's fundamentals to being an athlete. I don't care if you're a sprinter, a golfer. There's fundamentals to setting a goal, working towards achieving that goal, putting in the dedication, the commitment, not giving up. All of those things, you kind of put them together. Yeah, I didn't start golf till later in life, but I'd already been competing for 15 years. Mm. So I didn't have to learn all of those skills. Those were already set. You have a goal, you have a vision. Okay, now we strategize how to achieve that goal. And those are all, when you take that, those fundamental skills, you apply them to business or anything in life, you're, you're going to become successful. They did, a, they did a Harvard study and it was, um, they interviewed all, all the students and the ones that uh, actually didn't have any goals. Like they, they were just going to school. They knew what they wanted to do after, but they didn't really have any goals. They maybe had them in their head. Yeah. And then they, there was a group of, of students that actually had goals, but they didn't write them down. Mm-hmm. And then there was a group of students, and it was about maybe 3%, that had goals, wrote them down, read them on a, a daily basis. And they actually went back, they interviewed the, the students 10 years after outside of university. And the 3% that actually had goals, wrote them down, read them every day, made well over five times the income of all the other students. Hmm. It was crazy, right? So it's it's those things. It's not, you know, the physical ability or, you know, how much weight I can push in the gym, how far, hard I can push my body. None of that. It's It's those fundamentals of achieving a goal and reading your goals, having a vision to, to get better, um, you know, be a better version. That's what an athlete is. Okay, hey, I was this good last year. Mm-hmm. Well, now now I want to be this good this year because I have bigger goals. I have, you know, I want want to go to the Olympics or I want to compete at the the US Open or all of these bigger goals and it's a constant improvement of yourself. So yeah. apply that to to business and absolutely you're going to be successful. Yeah, I think a lot of those skills are transferable. The one thing that track taught me was just discipline. So I'm like, man, if I was a disciplined athlete, 
what if I took that same discipline and applied it in speaking and, and, and trying to learn the business out of it and making sure that I'm pre prepared, never had a problem with working hard. Working hard is a prerequisite for every single thing in life, regardless if you do sport or not. But Trap, before we close out, right, I always believe that there is a message inside of someone that uh, they would maybe give to their younger version of themselves, but every person has a story and every person's story matters, Trap. If there is a message on your heart, someone's listening to this, going through a tough time, or just trying to figure it out, what is a message that is on your heart today uh, that you could share with our audience? Chase your dreams. <laughs> really. I've always been a dreamer. Uh, you know, I've always had big dreams and, and chase them. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm 40 now and you know, it was, I, I look back, I didn't achieve a fraction of the golf goals I had, but damn, it was a lot of fun chasing them. Yeah. And I get to, to do that in business now. And I get to watch a lot of my clients and, and teammates in business, continue pursuing and chasing their dreams and it's just the, the best way to live live your life we it's too easy to get stuck in a rut and settle um you know so chase chase your dreams and and just never quit that was yeah i had to i don't look at it like i quit golf i just look at it like i pivoted mm. okay you know this isn't working now but I still have these goals that I want to achieve. So now we're going this way. And you just, you, you just relentlessly never give up on chasing those. That's, That's what makes it fun. It's a powerful message trap. That's a, probably a big part of the reason why you're still here today. When I'm sure a lot of people counted you out uh, when you were going through that tough time. Um, but where, where is the best way trap, for people to continue to check out your stuff? If they want to work with you, um, be a part of WFG. Uh, how? What is the best way for them to do that? Yeah, I'm pretty present on all uh, platforms. Uh, you know, Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, um, TikTok. You know, even I, you won't see any BS or dancing. From me. <laughs> but the kids might make you. The kids might make you at some point. <laughs> yeah, I want to join in with Dad. Uh, so, I mean, there's only one Trapper Goldsmith in the world, so I'm pretty easy to find. But absolutely any social platform you're gonna you're gonna find me. I just want to say, man, I Akeem, I have the most respect for you from the the moment we first met and in, in that coffee shop and getting to watch your journey after sport and the inspiration you pro provide for others. I've been to a few of your live uh talks as well. And appreciate you that. just the way you tell your story and the way you connect with people, even some of the questions you've asked me today, like really made me think uh, I've never had been on a podcast where, you know, the host kind of connected with me that way. And yeah, I just have the, the most respect for you, not only what you accomplished in sport, but what you continue to do after sport, man. So this is, this is a real pleasure to get joined up again like this. Oh, Trap, I really appreciate that, man. You know, as I've said since day one, man, who you see is what you get. I'm the same 24-7. I don't try and fake something I'm not. I'm pretty sure I said that to you day one. And, <laughs> totally. and, I, and I'd like to think uh, uh, I've always been and will be that same guy, Trap. But the next time I'm in Calgary next, man, let's definitely get together and really catch up in person. Uh, thank you so much for your time, Trap. I really appreciate it, man. And uh, uh, I look forward to, uh, uh, to touching base in a little bit here. Sounds great. 
All right, Trap. Have a good day, man. You bet. You too, man.